0: Hi, everyone. This is Katherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 105. And tonight, we are recapping Welcome to Night Vale, episode 118, Hegemony part two, The Cavelands. I suspect these titles are getting longer and longer as I we go. I think you're right. Actually, I typed out the uh, beginning of a post for this. So I'm like, good grief, because it's like Binary System Podcast recapping Welcome to Night Vale, a part two of a story with another title. So. <laughs> we are not SEO compliant. If you know, what that means, please write in and tell me, because I'm not sure I do, but it sounds good to (laughs) me. But yes, we've listened to this episode, and we're going to spoil the hell out of it, so you probably got to listen to it first. You know how all this works, but we started out, hilariously, Cecil recapped last week's episode. I'm like, man, we're recapping Cecil's recap of last week's episode. This is getting kind of meta here. Yeah, and the fact that Cecil was telling everything in this episode as a story of something that had already happened sort of took a lot of the tension out of things. So you didn't have to worry about something jumping at him because he's just telling the story. Yeah, Hannah was actually talking about that, about how Night vale, the whole framework of the story is that he's recording it in a recording studio. And she says it's interesting that there are a lot of fiction podcasts that do that. It's like because it's a radio show, you have to build it as a radio show. And she says, it's funny the number of shows that don't get away from that. And I'm like, that's that's probably pretty true. Yeah, actually. yeah. I mean, a lot of the tension that we have had is when something actually comes to the radio station to attack Cecil. So... And, exactly. Yeah, he either has to be out on assignment somewhere or he's just telling stuff that's already happened. Yeah, and when he comes back from the weather, that's usually what happens, too. It's like, something terrible, god-awful, catastrophic, cliffhanger bad, and we have the weather he comes back and everything's fine and I'm like we're kind of used to that at this point but I really liked the stuff in this episode is some of the things that I like the best about Night Vale episodes the slightly off kilter from reality and all the teeny little details oh my goodness because if you don't remember what happened last week, we are trying to find the case of Canadian Club Whiskey that had been hidden in Night Vale years ago because it's been here so long that it's absorbed the soul of Nightvale, and the marketing buzz team firm is going to come and take it back and drink the soul of Nightvale. Wow, that, <laughs> that sounded even weirder when I said it out loud. <laughs> but the people who have recovered the case are the baristas. And the baristas are apparently gentle creatures, and I had to do a little bit of research about them to see if we had already been given some backstory. I could have almost remembered, like maybe something had happened in the first Nightvale novel because they weren't always talked about. That you know, just suddenly there's a barista district and every place is flooded with baristas, and they actually hang out outside the Ace Hardware in the mornings to try to get jobs because there's way more baristas than Nightville can support. But. That pretty much seems to be it. That's the state of affairs, that there weren't any, and then suddenly we're flooded with them in Night Which spoilers is going to become important later on exactly cecil and janice are going to infiltrate the barista district so cecil has to get into a barista costume so we get all the little details about what a barista costume actually looks like and janice has all a lot of the accessories that you need because she wore a barista costume in her what her job fair uh, or job parade or something or yeah yeah there was like a parade last year for like jobs or employments or whatever, and that's what she decided to dress as. And like you remember the favorite coffee shop in the latest Night vale novel was called The Spiky Hammer. Apparently that's traditional barista accoutrements, I guess. It's like (laughs) he actually got himself a traditional spiky coffee hammer. Yeah, and he had to wear furs, and he had to make sure there was the right number of armholes in the costume. And I'm just thinking, because they never really specify that, like how many arms do baristas have then? It's true, and He also had to get his mustache all set up because they have this like very curly, elaborate mustache that sometimes holds like utensils and sweetener packets and stuff like that. So (laughs) this whole thing is cosplay bait. Oh, really It's wonderful, yes. And he does manage to successfully infiltrate the crowd of baristas coming home at the Ace Hardware lot. And I believe they're underground habitat is underneath a crate in the back of the Ace Hardware lot? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you can... you It's kind of covered up by the scent of espresso coming out of there is why more people don't go into that crate. Yeah, and, you know, the music that gets piped there constantly, like Nora Jones albums. And, right. and the fact that the cave habitat is flowing with coffee, just coffee dripping off the stalactites and flowing along hmm. in cave uh, lakes and just... No. <sighs> I do want to see more fan art. I want to see people drawing the barista di- district and the barista caves. And so Cecil gets down in there and as soon as all the baristas kind of get into their sort of living area, they all pick up their instruments because they're all going to play music together. And I'm like, well, I'm sold. I think this is all just <laughs> he's, awesome. he's listing all of the different instruments they're picking up and they're listing things like mouth harps and mouth pianos. <laughs> and then people get Get pots and pans to keep the beat and then they all started to sing and Cecil himself actually sung some of the song which was kind of neat but also kind of weird I couldn't tell if the harmony was really really weird because it was just a weird harmony or is because Cecil technically didn't know what the song was I don't I have no idea and he's got some pipes I was very yeah. impressed with how good he sounded when he was singing that that right there is worth a listen on this episode just by itself oh yeah but the thing is because he didn't quite know what he was doing, the baristas are on to him and they recognize him. He's, yeah, I mean, not just recognize him as an interloper or an intruder, they recognize he's Cecil and he gets greeted by the barista king, which apparently baristas <laughs> do have kings. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And he said that it. he felt that this was a trustworthy person, that there was something about him, that this is a guy who would always do right. And the light was glinting off of his face in a certain way and off his horns in a certain way and that he kind of resembled a buffalo, and I loved the t-shirt moment we got right there. You can always trust a buffalo. (laughs) It's just really, it's Night Vale right there. It's like, sure, why not? Um, But yeah, so the king actually talks to Cecil for a while. And uh, tells him that we have been waiting for you. And by we, I do not mean the royal we, because we don't believe in that. And I didn't mean the royal we the last time I used it either. (laughs) I just, okay, (laughs) let's settle down on what you're trying to say. But anyway... It turns out Ichimoni has already attacked the baristas. This happened yeah. like four years ago, and there's next to nothing left of them. And except, <laughs> okay, another detail that I love, the king of the baristas pulls out his necklace and it's covered with charms made out of tiny bird skulls and Splenda packets. You're like, I want to make that, I want to make that. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. But he pulls out like, a badge that's been worn away and it's the only thing left of the Egemoni marketing team that came in. They yep. recovered the case of Canadian Club and to celebrate they drank a bottle between all of them. They all took one little sip and drank some of Nightvale's soul. And Somehow, instead of them absorbing Nightvale's soul, Nightvale absorbed their soul. And Cecil's jumping up and down, saying, Oh, yay, everything's fine. The threat's completely minimized. And all the baristas and the barista king are still looking at him. And he says, Okay, hegemony has become the baristas. That's where all the baristas came. This happened yes. 4 years ago and suddenly the town is flooded with baristas because the entire Ejimoni street team was transformed into something that wanted to serve Nightvale. Right, and by serve Nightvale, they literally served Nightvale because you can find coffee all over Nightvale including a lot of coffee that has shots of Canadian Club whiskey in it. They served Nightvale back to itself yes. in order to save Nightvale. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> just I was like, "Ah, oh, I love that. It just all folded in on itself and everything." And so, yeah, this is the Hegemony team this was the hegemony team, but now they are really, really... You can't absorb the soul of a city or have the soul of a city absorb you without wanting to protect it. And so they're talking to Cecil. They are not cool with the fact that the Night Vale Radio's new sponsor is money because they said if a drug had the side effects that money has it would be illegal and i'm like wow they're not wrong that's deep (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) i like that it was also kind of on the nose i mean they're talking about all the problems that money does and that they don't want money to be the sponsor they want it to be sponsored by love and i'm like i'm digging the message but it is really on the nose yeah and cecil seems to agree because he said his reaction was okay and then he explains, and I said it like that really sarcastically. But yeah. money is apparently something that will cause Egemoni to continue to try to attack Nightvale, that they will keep coming after Nightvale until they can figure out a way to distill the soul of Nightvale. And yeah. I guess that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Cecil knows that there would be something that would be. Better even than love to protect the city, and that would be science. Yes, because the barista king said that hegemony will be coming after them with violence and subterfuge and dream fluencing and everything you can imagine and science. And I just perked up, what? Well, they're coming after with science? I think we know who could deal with that. <laughs> because Cecil says, you know what's mightier than science? More science. (laughs) So he's on it, man. He is on it. Carlos to the rescue. He didn't actually, I don't think he actually called out Carlos, but you know he's going to be calling on Carlos. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, hmm minor spoiler here for a second for the new Night Vale novel uh-huh. so if you don't want this particular spoiler skip forward about two minutes it's fine but I'm wondering if Carlos is maybe going to be a little gun shy of using science since using science maybe didn't work out so well for him in the latest Night Vale novel yeah, using science may have actually made things a whole lot worse in the last yeah. Night Vale novel so yeah I have been hoping that there will be some part of the Night vale book it devours carried on in the podcast. I want them to continue that storyline with the idea that Carlos is incredibly damaged by his time in the desert otherworld, something that we had never really known to what extent before. And I think that's something they need to, they can't just push that under the rug, I don't think. I think they need to no. continue that. No, I and I think you're right, and I also would be perfectly fine with bringing in more of the Nightville novels, so we can see more of Louisa and her potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> and Jamila and her drill. Yes, yes, all of that. So, so we also <gasps> had hoping. we also had the weather, which was done in the usual, you know, ham-fisted way of Cecil, you know, telling them, oh wow, this what you're telling me is really interesting, but could I go ahead and check the weather for a minute? So the weather this week was glitter by Charlie Bliss, and it was actually I thought of it as like. A slightly more sophisticated teen girl rock. Yeah, I thought it was sort of a pop garage band sound, very almost 80s kind of deal. So I, yeah, I liked yeah. it. It was bouncy. Yeah, and the even the singer's name, Charlie Bliss, Charlie with a Y. I'm like, that's a teen band girl name right there, Charlie <laughs> Bliss. Just can't do anything else with a name like that. But yeah, no, it was fun. I enjoyed it. But that was it. That was all for the episode. It was a nice sort of good wrap up to last week's episode. And we also kind of liked how it sort of folded in on itself and also... Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, the baristas did sort of come out of nowhere in Nightvale, and now we know why. Yeah, and uh, that is a long game they were playing with those baristas, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it hasn't been for the entire length of this podcast, but it's been several months, maybe even a couple of years since the barista district showed up. Yeah, do you suppose they... I doubt that they had that planned from beginning. I mean, that's kind of like with the face of Bo in Doctor Who. There's a lot of people who are like, wow, they were planning that for the beginning. I'm like, no, they weren't. They were definitely, no. Somebody saw some connections there and made, you know, decided to turn that into a story and they did it in a really clever way i think both the face of bow and the barista story exactly and i uh, that's almost more impressive that you can take an existing story and bend it to fit what you need that's totally fine i don't need them to have set it up from the very beginning because i don't believe they did i just remember reading um i can't even remember the name of the book i think it was the annotated sandman or the sandman companion by neil gaiman and it exhaustive. It just, it covers all of the different graphic novels for Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. And it has a lot of interviews with the writers of the book and Neil Gaiman asking him about various parts of the storyline. And according to uh, Neil Gaiman, he would seed his stories with little random things. And then he would come back to that later on when he was working on a different storyline and see how he could tie that in, which... (sighs) I I had always thought that he had set these things up from the very beginning, knowing what they're going to be. But I do think it's just about as impressive for him to be able to just take something random and saying, yoink and pull it into the current storyline. And I know I've said this before, but Neil Gaiman in an interview, I heard him say when someone asked him, is it hard to write a story when someone has told you what it needs to be about, or would you rather write about just anything? And he said, well, it's hard to write about just anything it's too big of a thing you have to have sort of a box to fit it in it's like if someone came to me and said write a story about Shakespeare and cats my first response would be oh that's very dumb and then I'd go oh hang on what if Shakespeare's plays were written by his cats and I'm like (laughs) please write that story Neil but I can see him doing that to like later on as a way to give him a little creative boost to be like hey that one little detail that I put in there what can I do with that you know I still need to get a STARS member so I can watch American Gods. Is that going to be more than one season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, Turnwell better be. It sort of ended on a bit of a cliffhanger last season. Okay. And the story is different from the book. They have definitely changed it, but they've changed it with Neil Gaiman's blessing and his direction, I believe. I think that's fine. Fu- I mean, I I honestly don't mind that. I just, I hate when someone makes a movie and says, hey, you know this story that everyone has really loved, it's made a lot of money, let's do that, but let's change everything about it that people like. Yeah. So that I don't like. No, this has a lot of stuff that's like word for word out of the book, but then a lot of stuff that is not anything that was ever in the book, but really makes a lot of sense when you see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Douglas Adams, he's somebody that I think of when people talk about adaptations. All right, he wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and then he did the radio version of it, and he changed things a little bit to make it a slightly different story. And then he did the TV series, and he changed things a little bit to make a different story. And then he did a movie, and he changed it. He had a different version not everything, but just enough to make it new for people. And that's, right. I can't really complain about, oh, no, my God, it's got to be absolutely faithful. If the creator himself is looking in on these changes, that's fine. So just just make sure that you're not betraying it, um, George Lucas. Yeah, right. And <laughs> Neil Gaiman has... He's actually spoken out about the creation of this show and how much he approves of all the things and how much he loves. Have you watched the intro, the little recording of the intro? I haven't watched a darn thing about it. I am so slack with that. Man, if you can find a high-quality version of the intro just to watch that, it's really, really well done. Like It fits the tone of exactly what the book and the show is about. It's really, really nice. And then you've got Ian McShane, who, of course, was Al Swearingen on... Deadwood. Yeah. God, I forgot it for a second. Yeah. And he plays, well, spoilers, Odin. Apparently that was supposed to be a secret for a while. And I'm just, he's Wednesday, you know, of course. And people were like, he apparently said that an interviewer was like, what? He's Odin. And I'm like, did people not know that? Was that a secret? Okay, <laughs> well, I guess fine. so. Maybe for some okay. people who haven't read the book or don't know too much Norse mythology. But I get the idea nowadays, what with the Marvel movies and Thor and Ragnarok and all that. There's probably a lot more people who have a bit more of a grasp of the characters of the Norse myth than it used to be, I yeah, would hope so, but you never know, but anyway, but um yeah, so that's all of Nightvale. hey, uh question for you. Have you finished watching the newest season of stranger things? I have not. I only watched the first season the uh, first episode. ah, oh, good, I just finished it up last night, binged through the like the last three episodes. Holy once. Cow. It's good oh is it yeah, really I like good it. well, that's good. We're actually a few episodes away from finally finishing the new Twin Peaks series. Oh, I haven't watched any of that. Not even one single moment of it. Well, I really have to finish watching it because according to my friend Lydia, hi Lydia, she told me that Mark Frost has another book out for Twin Peaks and it is meant to be read after you finish the series because the series is just, it stops. And I asked Lydia, oh, so maybe if it did well enough, they'll consider doing another season. She's Said, oh no they're done like oh, oh. okay but the book oh, nice. actually gives you a little more information so i want to read that but i have to finish watching the series first Okay. All right. I'm going to need to get caught up on that. I actually, I had watched some of Stranger Things and I put it aside because I started watching second season of Mr. Robot, which is good. I'm enjoying it. But my coworkers were all big fans of the first season of Stranger Things and they've already finished all of it. And it got to where they were harassing me at work about it. Like I'd go get coffee and I'd come back and everybody go, shh, shh, shh. And I'm like, you're talking about Stranger Things, aren't you? And they're like, finish it. I'm like, I will. So (laughs) Nathan actually spotted somebody at uh, NC Comic Con wearing uh, the Stranger Things wall from the first season. I love it. And there is another, I can think of a couple different ways that they could do a different kind of wall for this second season. So you'll have to watch it. So I've got... Yeah, there's a bunch of ideas I can have cuz if I could see me and my coworkers doing a Stranger Things group costume again for next Halloween and I've got some ideas. Oh my goodness. So I've got to watch okay, I've got to finish watching The Defenders. I got to finish watching Stranger Things. Got to finish watching Twin Peaks season 3. Got to start watching American Gods. Um am I missing anything? I think I'm probably oh, missing a lot. It's just There's just a lot of good TV out there. It's awesome. Oh, The Punisher just got started. People have been saying good things about that one. Well, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Now I'll have to... Well, I got to finish watching Defenders first, I guess. I don't want to jump in on another Marvel property until I finish the last one. And speaking of Marvel properties, I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok yet. Oh, I think you're going to like that one, but it is kind of ridiculous in places. Not goofy ridiculous, but it is it's got the most humor in it of any single Marvel movie or TV show that I've seen yet. Even more so than Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's it's a different type of humor, I guess. You're going to you'll understand when you see it. You're going to be like, "Oh yeah." I mean, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy is funny and Thor Ragnarok is funny, and they're both funny in really completely different ways. Well, I've been hearing so many people talk about the Thor Ragnarok movie, and it's not just, it's good, or it's as good as the other movies. They're saying it's the best of the Thor movies, period. I would go ahead and say yes, because the whole idea of Thor is kind of a tough sell, because it's all Asgardian and Norse mythology and very, very dramatic speeches and all that kind of stuff, but this actually kind of addresses that and gets into the fact that, yes, that's what it is and here's the world that it lives in and here's how this is gonna go when you have a character like Thor and Chris Hemsworth, I mean please somebody give him more comedic roles did you see the new Ghostbusters movie the lady no, Ghostbusters I didn't. movie yeah people were on the fence about it but I, enough people I knew liked it just because the comedians the women that they got sorry what everybody drink this traffic noise it <laughs> motorcycle, it's not a whatever. siren do we drink when there's just traffic noise yeah I thought we established that at one point that if there's a loud enough traffic noise <laughs> to interrupt gonna, the podcast yeah possibly sure, yeah. yeah exactly but apparently the comedian ladies that they got to do the roles were really really good but Chris Hemsworth is in as well, and apparently he's got really good comedic timing, so that okay. we need to give him more of those roles. Well, you know, it's got Tom Hiddleston in it, so I'm in. I'm, yeah. just, there's no question about it. I'll be watching that. Yeah, I can think of two scenes right now with Tom Hiddleston that you are really gonna like. Oh, <laughs> just so I can see you. One's, <laughs> one's like, you're gonna like it because you're gonna like it on a subtle level. You're gonna be like, I approve of what's going on here. That's fine. There's another one that you're gonna be going, ee! But it's just... Well, <laughs> 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 I know, Vince. Uh, posts some memes about the Thor Ragnarok movie, and he's especially taken with Kate Blanchett as Hela, is that her yes. character's name? Yeah, yep, he said yep. uh, whenever she was on the screen, he'd be like completely mesmerized, and he thought at one or two points he was actually purring. Oh, I yeah, she's really good. She is very, very good. And apparently that headdress that she wears from time to time, uh-huh. they had an interview with the person who did the costuming for it, and the headdress, in a lot of cases, is a digital effect because it's so big and dramatic and awesome, but the headdress does exist as a physical sense because the costumer believes that every costume, even if it's going to end up being mostly CGI, it needs to exist in the real world and the actor needs to wear it to know how it feels. So I'm just like, and it's impressive. It looks good. good. It looks really, okay. really good. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. maybe next week. I understand that maybe the crowds might be dying down a little bit since the new Justice League movie is out, which I haven't heard too many really good things about the justice movie Uh, you should go to pixelateageek.com and read Leland's review of it it's funny because I put out the social media for it and I I thought I had balanced it out pretty good you know I put a quote where Leland says this could be the rocky start to something amazing and then I said it ain't perfect but Leland spells out all the reasons why he or I think it's all the things he loved about it Uh I think and I talked to Leland this weekend. He's like, yeah, I thought it was just funny when you said it because you said things that I loved about it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There were things that I liked. So oh, I'm like, oh uh-huh. okay. Yeah, well, I, the, yeah. the biggest complaint that I've heard about it is um, Adam Troy Castro, who I follow on Facebook, is really kind of ticked off at anyone who says, well, this wasn't all that perfect, but it could possibly be setting up from some really good things. He's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm out. If you make a movie, you have to make a good movie. You cannot make a lackluster movie with with the promise of it may leading to some better movies, he's he doesn't yeah. he's not a fan of that whole mindset. This idea that we've got to shell out our ten dollars movie ticket to sit through a kind of okay movie on the promise that we'll get something better later. Yeah, and DC has this habit of hesitating partway through. Or, unfortunately, in this case, you know, uh, Snyder had to leave because of a family tragedy. So that's not a good reason to leave. Joss Whedon took over, which I'm not very fond of you right now, Joss, but I do admit that you make things that I like. So fine. But apparently you can really feel the disconnect going on in the movie where one stopped and the other took over. But did you hear the thing about Superman's mustache? Superman has a mustache now? No, that's the thing. Um, What's his bucket? Henry Cavill. Yeah. So They did some massive reshoots in this movie, you know, because DC comes in, takes a look at what's going on, gets really freaked out, and is like, well, we got to redo some things. I mean, there was a lot of reshoots. Henry Cavill was already doing a Mission Impossible movie, and apparently contractually, the uh, interview that I read said that he would only do it if he could wear a mustache. Apparently he really wanted to have a mustache, I don't know. So he's in the middle of filming this, and they want him to come back and do reshoots. Well then we get contractual stuff going on. So they decided he would do all of his reshoots and everything, and they would CGI out the mustache. Really? Yeah, and it's apparently just in places as awkward as you would imagine it to be. That uncanny valley gets in there, and it's like, it's just weird. And I'm like, that the fact that a major... Multi-million-dollar corporation like DC could actually say, "Well, rather than have him shave the mustache off, let's just CGI it out in every scene." I'm like, that that would even be an option for anybody, you know? I That's just crazy to me. I don't get it. It it seems like it would be easier for him to take the mustache off and then have the makeup department give him another one for the uh, movie that he's filming where he needs one. I mean, wouldn't that make more sense? Wouldn't that be cheaper? I mean... (laughs) I would guess so. I mean, did you hear also Leland, also on pixeladygeek.com has a review of Murder on the Orient Express, which is apparently really good, and a lot of good people. Johnny Depp is not doing his usual character. It's a lot of big names and new names, and everybody is wonderful, and Kenneth Branagh is wearing this mustache, and it's not real, because apparently he tried to grow the mustache and said, it got to where it didn't work. Apparently, it's a really good mustache. So I'm like, guys, they've established that could be done and it'd be better than I've seen some of the clips of the CGI of his face because Lee Linton said, it's it's good when the A-team animators get in there and digitally edit it out, but you get the C-team in there doing some of the shots and it's really awkward. And well, I'm like, oh, man. I'm glad to hear Murder on the Orient Express is good because when I first saw the trailer, I'm seeing all of these big names on there. I'm like, yeah. did they leave any money for the screen? Script and the directing because it sounds like they have paid a lot of money for talent, uh, talent and apparently the CGI was incredible. There's a lot of green screen work that looks really good, but no, he said it's really it's excellent and also <laughs> it's like it's going to introduce a whole new generation of fans to Hercules. Role. I'm probably not saying that right but yeah he just that's Kenneth Branagh's character and it's like it's really I read a tweet in recently somebody said you know after all these years I've realized I've finally forgiven Kenneth Branagh for cheating on Emma Thompson during Frankenstein I mean it was a long time ago it didn't have anything to do with me but I think I'm okay I've, I've moved past it so you go sir and I'm like oh that Aww, nice. well yeah. that's interesting <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, that's, he hooked up with his leading lady is what happened. So uh, that broke my heart. So Well, you know. me too, because he was the example that I used with, see, see, you know, he and, you know, Emma Thompson are still together. Hollywood marriages can work. And then they didn't. I okay, know. Um, so many of them don't. Just, let's, uh, fine, whatever. Yes, you know? yes. We won't, we will try not to be too invested in the relationship of the actors playing the characters that we like, because you no, know, that, true. that can lead to heartbreak right there. Also, it's really not any of our business. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, of course. That goes without saying. Right. But, yeah. Fine, not fine. not only have I've never met any of these people, I'm not sure that I have ever met anyone who's met any of these people. So right I'm pretty far right. removed from all of it. So, I think I think on Facebook now I need to start just I need to put together a post about all the things I need to be watching now. And then I can maybe have a little check mark next to each of them. Because there's a lot at this point. I can't remember a time when I had this many things that I needed to catch up on just with movies and TV. I know. And it's all stuff that people like and is good. And I think that's awesome. And then somebody will send me some random thing like, I still haven't watched Let the Right One In, which you have told me before is really a worth watch if you like vampires. I think you will like that. I think you will like just one little side but the way they interpret the a vampire can't come inside unless they've been invited. I think you'll nice. like that. nice good good that's on my list with everything else. Everything else. <laughs> but on that note make sure to check out pixleythegeek.com because we've got the movie reviews, the book reviews, the comic book reviews. I am going to post a photo gallery. Hasbro sent me a Comic Con exclusive Optimus Prime figure and I finally did a photo shoot of it. Like Months after Comic Con, it's awfully pretty. So Ooh, I'll have cool. that going up this week. But all of that and all of the podcasts and Leland's Spooky Easy podcast and the Lost in Sci-Fi podcast, which we're doing about once a month nowadays, which is pretty good on the schedule. But uh, all of that, pixelatedgeek.com. I guess next week we will probably talk about more things that are going on in the nerdosphere that we've actually finally managed to watch. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but one way or the other, We will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.